You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Hello, America, and happy Friday. So glad to be joining you. We got a fun weekend ahead. Uh, the March Madness season has officially begun in college basketball. There'll be a lot of championship basketball playing out and then we'll come out of the weekend prepared to have the ncaa tournament and that is one of my favorite moments in culture and sports uh, we're big sports fans in my household i guarantee you'll be watching a lot of good games this weekend including my old alma mater marquette university who's doing quite well this year very proud of their progress as a top 10 team in the country well listen we got more serious stuff to focus on first so we got to get our homework done eat our vegetables we've got a lot of discussion about the state of the world. This is a very dramatic week in Washington when it came to national security issues. We had the FBI director, Chris Ray give testimony saying that TikTok could be used to attack the United States if China were in warfare, including taking control of devices and attempting to influence or corrupt our young people, our children and our young adults. That was dramatic. And then the intelligence agency chiefs gave their annual global assessment, and it was very stark. The conversation really focused on how much more grave the threats from China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran have become in the first two years of the Biden presidency. A lot of people have different conclusions as to why that is, but there is universal agreement that the world is less safe and more volatile today than it was the day that Donald Trump handed the keys of 1600 Pennsylvania over to Joe Biden. What we're going to do today is we have two great guests who are going to dive into that issue right at the top of the show. First up is Fred Flights, a former longtime CIA analyst, one of the most respected voices in the intelligence community. Uh, he then went on to serve as chief of staff to the National Security Council under President Trump. And also Victoria Coates is with us today. She's the former deputy national security advisor to President Trump. They both have some pretty strong assessments about what the intelligence community, about what Chris Ray, what other people this week in a dramatic set of hearings provided us in everyday America. There's a great sense that perhaps we're giving out a little bit too much of our secrets in these hearings. And secondly, that we're perhaps not giving the right policy solutions. We're not implementing the right policy solutions, such as addressing the supply chain, such as getting back to energy independence, things that would lower our vulnerability to China and Russia particularly. And of course, there's also great questions about whether the policy of appeasement that Obama 
and Biden have both pursued with places like Iran, whether it had any real measurable effect or did it make the situation even more dangerous, more serious. So we're going to start off the show today with a very candid conversation about the state of American security with Fred Flights and Victoria Coates. And then we're going to end up with our good friend, Lou Dobbs, who has been really a clarion voice on the border, on economic sanity. And we had a really great conversation about all that happened this week. He has some big picture views of where America's headed, what people are concerned about, and where we can ultimately end up under Joe Biden or after the 2024 election. You're going to definitely want to hear Lou Dobbs. So great show today. Fred Flights, Victoria Coates, Lou Dobbs, back to back to back on the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll kick off our show with Fred Flights. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000 or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We all know we live in an increasingly dangerous world, but there was a moment earlier this week when the intelligence community gave its annual assessment 
of the state of the world that we really had a pause to say, oh, my God, it's gotten a lot worse and it's gotten a lot worse a lot quicker. Yeah, Ukraine, Afghanistan, we know all of them. But the total sum picture that the intelligence community painted to the Senate and the House, uh, some of the most alarming things I've heard said in a very long time. So we brought in someone we love very much. He always makes the world a lot more Make, it makes a lot more sense about the world than most people do. He helps us understand the complexities of it. Longtime intelligence analyst, former chief of staff to the National Security, and really one of America's greatest security experts. Joining us right now, Fred Flights. Fred, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, good to be here. That was quite a set of hearings on Wednesday. We really get a sense of the urgency and the concern that our intelligence community has. There's a lot of places where the security of the of the globe is getting worse quicker, isn't it? Well, John, I, I want to know, why do we do these hearings? Our intelligence agencies spend two hours in unclassified session, and they tell the world all their assumptions, all the things they're thinking about. And look, they say they're unclassified, but you could imagine that in Beijing and Moscow and Havana and Caracas and in Tehran, they're taking careful notes about what these intelligence officials are saying. You know, Russia and China are not stupid enough to put their intelligence officers before cameras to give their assumptions of what they think about the United States. And then these things have been politicized for years. They were suspended in 2020 because in 2019, intelligence officials opined that Trump's uh, initiatives on North Korea and Iran would fail. And and today there are numerous examples of fairly politicized um, analysis that had nothing to do uh, uh, with national security, but pushing the Biden agenda. It is really remarkable. And I, I bet you every enemy and probably all of our allies as well, watch these things and glean all the intelligence that is sitting kind of out in the open. We make open source intelligence a lot more open. When you listen to the the warnings that were being issued yesterday. I mean, the big four, obviously the big four, right? We, we talk about them all the time, Russia, North Korea, Iran, and of course, China. Did you detect any sense of a greater direness in what they're predicting about the outcome? I think it seemed pretty dire, but I don't think it was anything that you and I couldn't have uh, couldn't have gotten from the New York Times. Uh, here, but here's some things that you should know. So they they talked about how there's been uh, an uptick in violence in Iran. Well, they they attributed that to a cultural issue. They did not mention that it was in response to Iranian security officials executing an Iranian woman and there were women-led protests. In fact, women in Iran didn't come up. (laughs) It's unbelievable, isn't it? Even though that is the central issue. And it's what makes this uprising in Iran different than anyone in in history, because there have been many of them always put down brutally. Well, this is even better. The DNI mentioned a concept called racially or ethnically motivated violent extremist groups. It's a term that tries to talk about neo-Nazis and right-wing groups, but, you know, she didn't bother to talk about it in Antifa. Well, Senator Cotton took issue with her by saying that these these right-wing groups pose a more lethal threat to Americans than fentanyl, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, or Hezbollah. I mean, Cotton was almost laughing at her at, at making this. And she said, I, I watched the house here today. She said it again. It's unbelievable. And there was another exchange that I caught on Thursday with Congressman Mike Turner, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, saying, hey, all right, I'm hearing all of your threats. Where's Antifa? 
Where, where, where is it? Where, what was it? And no answer. And also during this hearing, um, there was a member who said, uh, I, I would like to know about um, uh, Section 702 and FISA. Congressman LaHood, he's the, I don't know if he's number two or not, uh, said that he's very worried about how privacy rights under FISA and Section 702 have been abused and have been abused despite a member of Congress. And he said, and that member of Congress is me. <laughs> he divulged that he had been targeted for a period of time, which there have been hints of, right? But we didn't know who the congressman is. We knew from an earlier IG report that there had been some uh, very questionable thing. I, I want to ask about that a little bit. Because there has always been a designation, at least since 9-11 era, a designation of people who fall into the sensitive case, someone who's a journalist, a pastor, a doctor, or a member of Congress, or someone that belongs to a campaign. It seems as though the threshold for protecting, you know, particularly First Amendment protected activities has been declining, meaning that the intelligence community has less and less reservation looking at somebody that should fall into a really high threshold category for monitoring. Have we lost a little bit of the mindset that civil liberties are at the forefront of our intelligence community's protection responsibilities? There's supposed to be restrictions on journalists. I don't know what they are. I think they're fairly informal. But there are very serious restrictions called the Gates Procedures on spying on members of Congress. That's not supposed to happen. And that has happened during the Obama administration. And the fact that it happened again, it, it is very serious that the executive branch is spying on the legislative branch. It's a big deal. And the fact that there seems to be fairly clear evidence of this. So I was very happy that uh, Chairman Turner has made LaHood the subcommittee chairman of the person looking into abuses of FISA and 702, I, I think. It makes it personal. Yeah, it makes it, uh, he has a first-hand experience. Yeah. And that sometimes can bring a great amount of change if the person has that motivation. I've been so confused, and uh, you and I have talked about this once before, but I'm still confused, and now I'm more confused. So Nord Stream 2 gets blown up. The prevailing narrative, and when I talk to intelligence analysts inside the government, they said they still believe even as of this morning that the most likely scenario was that Russia blew up its own Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And then there was this incredible sensational story by Cy Hirsch, who doesn't have a great record recently of accurate stories, but he, he suggested the Biden administration did it with excruciating detail, which seemed a little unusual for an intelligence leak. And then the New York Times comes back around and says, well, I know we've been saying Russia, but maybe the Ukrainians did it. What is going on? Is there some subterfuge going on? Or it doesn't seem like Congress or the American people have gotten an honest answer about what happened on that big event. Well, from the very beginning, and when you and I first discussed this months ago, I said I didn't think that Biden had the backbone to do this himself. He probably had another nation do it for the U.S., and he gave them support. I don't think Ukraine could have done this alone. My guess is that the U.S. put them up to it or provided them with the technical means he advanced them. I mean, this is a very deep pipeline. It's, it's, it's covered by cement. You'd have to have some pretty sophisticated machinery and very sophisticated divers to do this. And it's unlikely that Ukraine could do this in an area where they, which isn't contiguous to, uh, to, to Ukraine. I mean, it's not out of their own possibility, but it seems to me that this is a way to escape oversight by Congress by having another state do it. And that gives us plausible deniability. What I find strange is no matter what happened, why did the administration leak that Ukraine did this? How did that help? That's that's going to hurt Ukraine and our foreign policy. I don't get it. 
No, it, it doesn't. And it actually plays into Putin's request that the UN or an international body now look at this because now there's multiple stories coming out of the world superpower and, and we don't seem to even have our own story straight, which seems to be one of the <laughs> the trademarks of Biden's foreign policy. We seem to change the story every few days. I want to go back to something that really has been the bedrock of foreign policy for a long time, and that is that we make foreign policy decisions based on our strategic lens of what the American interest is. And on most of the things that the Biden administration has done since it got into power, it seems to me that the definition of the American interest is never really clear or even thought of or defined. And the policies zig and zag. It sometimes it feels like Germany criticized, oh, we better do something, or Britain did that, we better do something. It seems like leading from behind and never doing the basic homework that I think since the Truman-Eisenhower era has been the hallmark of our policy, which is define the American interest, then explain what the mission is based on that interest. Are we missing that? Have we lost the art of defining the American interest as a matter of foreign and security policy? Well, my organization, the America First Policy Institute, we talk about that all the time. The interest is America First energy security, economic security, national security, homeland security. This is a no-brainer. Those are the responsibility of the president. The president is ruining energy security for political reasons. He won't, do, he won't do protect the border for political reasons. His foreign policy is in free fall. So I think you're right. He's lost sight of this. And uh, I mean, the American people notice this. They, that's why the, the ratings for this, for this country, where it's going, are so low why the president's job ratings have, have, been, have been so poor. And, and I think you can start seeing movement on the Hill. I mean, even look at the special commission on China. There's bipartisan agreement on the commission that Nancy Pelosi refused to start, that was started over the objections of Joe Biden. And I think they're making real progress. It has often been said, and I think by some of the wisest people, uh, including you, that economic security is national security, that we need to take our fiscal house seriously because it can put the country in in a position to be unable to defend itself. There's a lot of people who say we don't have the fiscal or capability to fight two wars simultaneously, which had long been one of our things. But here's an amazing thing. So we had a big deficit last year, spent, I think, $6.3 trillion dollars. Joe Biden sees Republicans get elected in the House, knowing that they're, you know, the American people elected him in part to start reining in spending. And he drops a $6.8 trillion budget, half a trillion dollars more than the last budget in the face of all these warnings, Fed chairman, CBO, that America can't sustain the debt and the interest payments which are going up. It seems to me that this eliminated any real possibility to find common ground with Republicans or to even equate the spending practices of the Democrats with our national security obligations. What happens here? Well, there won't, it's not a serious budget. It, it was dead on arrival. It was immediately rejected by Republicans. Uh, we may have to run the government with continuing uh, resolutions. I mean, if this is Biden's final position, and I suggest it probably is, uh, it, it's going to be hard to, to uh, get, get agreement on a serious budget, maybe for the rest of his presidency. It's pretty remarkable when you start to look at where the government spends. And this is actual Treasury data that comes from the Treasury Department. It's at fiscaldata.treasury.gov. National defense is now in the number four position and soon could be the number five position. Social security at 19%, health spending 14%, income security 
uh, 14%, national defense, 12%. Our national defense is now the fourth largest figure. And soon debt payment is going to leapfrog over that, the net interest payment. That is a worrying thing when your national defense spending is well below some other categories. Do you think wiser minds are going to prevail that Democrats and Republicans, like they did on the China threat, may say, hey, we got to change this dynamic real quickly? I, I think we're going to have some agreement on defense defense spending because of increased defense spending by China, uh, concerns of the threat from Russia, concerns that our our military arsenal uh, is, is being emptied out by sending weapons to Ukraine. I, I think we'll have uh, more, more agreement than we might have had last year. Yeah. Well, that could be a really good sign because we got to start to get that fiscal house in order by so many people's account. I mean, even the CBO, nonpartisan, saying, hey, this is not sustainable. We got to we got to change it now. Do you think right now, given the state of the military, that it could, if called upon, fight two simultaneous wars or are we unable to do that now? I, I think we probably are, but I, I think I'll let you ask General Kellogg that when you have <laughs> my colleague, General Kellogg. Yeah, he would have certainly a better, uh, he, and he thinks about that every day. He certainly has that idea. As you look out now, the last question I want to ask you is the China question. It's clear maybe the satellite moment got Americans focused on China in a way that they hadn't been for a long time. You have been warning about it for a very long time. There's been so much movement. And one of the things I wonder is if Democrats have really been concerned about China for so long, but their leadership, particularly Nancy Pelosi, wouldn't let them express that. The bipartisan nature of uh, everything from TikTok, getting that off of our devices, to doing the committee, to maybe looking at some punitive measures for China for some of its ill behavior. It seems as though there's bipartisan consensus in a way that we hadn't seen in the last five or six years. Well, look, we saw waffling during these intelligence hearings on the origins of the COVID virus, but we have FBI and DHS coming out saying it probably was a lab leak. I don't want to get into a debate whether it was a biological weapon or not. I think it clearly was a lab leak. And China allowed this virus to spread around the world. We know that it restricted travel in the country when it was aware of this deadly virus, but it allowed its citizens to infect the world. We need to talk about that to say to the administration, stop calling China a competitor. A competitor does not infect the world with a virus it knows is deadly. I mean, that if we use competitor, we're normalizing China's behavior to that of the United States and France and Japan. This was a form of warfare. This was, this was a war crime. We should not be downplaying what the Chinese leadership did here. And that's the point I think we should be talking about more and more, that China deliberately let its citizens infect the world. They knowingly let their citizens infect the world with this virus. And I hope that's going to be a major focus of this special house committee on China. Yeah, that's such an important point. Even if the lab leak itself was an accident, the post-accident policies of China clearly allowed this to spread across the globe and create enormous economic harm to the entire world. And, and that clearly plays into China's long-term strategy to bring the West down so we can rise up as an economic power. What should we be watching for in the next six months for an American response to some of these issues? And then vice versa, where do you think China's next creeping actions are going to be? I think China really is surging its military right now and weighing whether an attack on Taiwan is feasible before Joe Biden possibly leaves office in January uh, 2025. Uh, and that's something we really have to keep an eye on. Uh, the administration isn't making this any easier because it is unnecessarily antagonizing China 
uh, you know, we we have had fruitful diplomacy with adversaries for decades during the Cold War, but the the Biden administration doesn't seem to understand that we can stop situations from spinning out of control with dialogue. Well, you know, Biden won't call Putin. Our officials won't meet with Chinese officials. I mean, this this is just these are unforced errors that are making bad situations worse. Yeah, it's mind numbing. The last thing I want to ask, staying on China just for a second, Democratic policies have seemed to give China a much bigger pass than the intelligence warrants. And Democratic policies for a long time seems to have had a very strong focus on Ukraine, even though a lot of the strategic experts I talk to say Ukraine isn't quite that important to American strategic interests as, you know, as a location. Obviously, there's an opportunity here to weaken Putin, and I understand that, taking advantage of the opportunity. But why have Democrats traditionally over the last decade or so been soft on China? You know, uh, Joe Biden lectured us saying they're not our enemy. They're not, they're not our, they're not even a threat. They're not even a competitor a couple of years ago. And of course, we've been obsessed with Ukraine since 2014. What are driving those two Democratic interest points? I think there's this naive view in in uh, in the left that China is really a, a benign competitor, and and they they really I mean and we saw this during the Cold War when there was a moral equivalency struck struck between the United States and the Soviet Union by the CIA, and I think we've seen similar things here. You know, it's just a different country with different with a different system. Uh, I, I I mean, other people have read more nefarious motives into it. And I've had this argument whether uh, it's incompetence uh, or uh, something worse concerning where China is. It's certainly at least incompetence in that we have uh, foreign policy advisors who simply don't see what's going on here. They don't see China's objectives uh, to, to be the world's leading power if, if using violence if necessary. Yeah, that's such a great analysis. And when I talk to people, that's literally, I've heard that. You go to these globalist conferences, and that was actually preaching. It was the gap between what these globalists believed or were saying and what the intelligence community and military leaders were saying was so far apart, and it just keeps widening over the last few years. It's such an amazing dynamic. Fred, it's always an honor to have you on the show. You bring such wisdom and such clarity to a lot of issues where people sometimes are scratching their head. I can't thank you that for joining us today. Great to be here, John. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back, everybody. I don't know if our next guest gets enough credit for all that she has accomplished so far in her career, especially the last five or so years, although the Heritage Foundation is very lucky to have her now. She previously served in many high-profile governmental roles, such as Senior Advisor to the Energy Secretary, Deputy National Security Advisor, and was even appointed to run the Middle East Broadcasting Network. Joining us now is one of our favorite guests, Victoria Coates. I know that I probably missed a few titles there in the list, so feel free to add those in, but it's great to have you back on the show. Well, thank you, Amanda. To paraphrase my old boss, Don Rumsfeld, you make me sound like I can't hold a job, but <laughs> I appreciate it. No. Kind words. no, I just think that you're a great multitasker. That's what it is. Uh, I wanted to ask you, speaking of old bosses, you and your old boss, President Trump, uh, recognize the importance of energy independence with respect to national security. In 2019, it was the first time that we were energy independent since, I think, 1957. For that administration, that obviously was a national security issue. This administration does not seem to connect the dots. They don't see the connection between energy independence and national security, and that bears out in their policies. Why doesn't this administration see how important it is? Well, I think it's because they've taken on this issue of climate change as, as really a religion, that they they feel climate change is the existential threat to the entire planet. It's not just, I mean, for their perspective, not mine, it's not just a threat to the United States, it's a threat to everyone, and we should all be banding together to fight this threat. And that means that we should dampen down the enormous uh, resources that the United States has in fossil fuels, be it coal, natural gas, or oil, and almost unilaterally disarm and go to renewables and stop the production of, of those fuels just to better better the planet. And, you know, that sounds nice, but the problem is that our adversaries and even most of our allies are doing nothing of the sort. We're the only ones who are forcing ourselves down this path. And it puts us in a very dangerous place as a nation. Yeah, we're a party of one, and it's not a very comfortable ride right now. Um, Victor, I want to take you to Ukraine. I've seen a lot of naive headlines in the news media recently covering the war, kind of from a tick and tack perspective. But really, we're, there is a lot of concern when I talk to intelligence experts that the war is at a tipping point. Some very troubling things here. A lot of people saying, well, Putin can't launch a spring offensive. Oh, yes, he can. And hypersonic missiles could be part of that. And then there's been the continued shelling of that U Ukrainian nuclear plant. Tell us what you think is really going on versus some of this oversimplified storylines we've been getting in the media. Yeah, it's, it's a very dangerous moment. And you've heard from pundits on both sides of the aisle that the buildup of weapons to Ukraine by the Biden administration has so degraded the Russian military that they were incapable of mounting a spring offensive. Well, that that wasn't true. So I think what you know, a number of us have been arguing really for close close on to 10 months. I mean, it's sort of sad it's gone on so long, which is, you know, if President Biden wanted to commit the United States taxpayer to this fight to this degree, he should do it in a way that would win the war. That clearly hasn't been done. 
and Putin is capable of mounting a spring offensive. We did see hypersonic missiles used uh, over today and then the previous offensive yesterday. We do see the Russians shelling indiscriminately the Zaporizhia, the largest uh, nuclear power plant in Europe, which could result in a horrible Chernobyl-style kind of accident at any time, to which the Russians are obviously not, I mean, they don't think that's a bad thing. But maybe that's what they mean by Russians or by uh, Putin's nuclear attack on Europe is that he'll create this kind of uh, civilian nuclear meltdown that will be horrific for the continent. And that's the way he takes Ukraine. Are we prepared for that? I don't see any signs that we are. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Scary to think about. Victoria, you mentioned the money um, that is going over to Ukraine. We, We saw a report this morning that Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has turned down an invitation by Zelensky to visit Ukraine. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know how useful it is for any of our senior people's time, including the president, to spend 10 hours on a train when Putin knows exactly where you are going into Ukraine and then coming out to have a photo op with President Zelensky. So, you know, I think the speaker has been very supportive of the fight in Ukraine. Uh, But the question is, how is this money being spent? And somebody who did find it useful to spend 20 hours in a train recently with Secretary of the Treasury uh, Yellen, Mm -hmm. who went in to talk about another 50 billion uh, that they were going to commit to Ukraine in terms of civil society relief. This is not the job of the American taxpayer to be funding pensions and hospitals in Ukraine. If we're going to support this war, we should support it in lethal military aid. That's what we do best. The rest of it can come from Brussels. We can't care more about European security than the Europeans do. And if we are constantly being the, you know, the, the lender of last resort, the person who steps in when Brussels refuses to honor its, uh, its commitments, then, I mean, we're just, this is an endless money pit, literally, for the U.S. taxpayer. Yeah, and the, the definition of victory is still not clear from this president. I think we know what it should be, but he hasn't defined it as such, and I think that's a, a really troubling matter. Uh, I want to ask about something else. There's a lot of money going to Afghanistan, and people say, wait, that can't be, be possible. The Taliban in charge, we wouldn't give money to the Taliban, but oh, yes, we are. Tell us how, why we're all occupied by all these other crises, uh, the money to go into Afghanistan troubles so many people. No, it's it's been a really difficult 24, maybe 36 hours now for anyone who has been tracking Afghanistan from the hearings yesterday and the really, really searing testimony by the Marine who was on the ground talking about what he witnessed. And the, I mean, I can't come up with another phrase, the dereliction of duty that went on during this just shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan and the fact that we would now have the State Department and USAID, you know, trying to have honorary ceremonies for Af- Afghan women who are now suffering most grievously under under Taliban rule and sending money into that country and the notion that that any of it is going to go where the Taliban don't direct it and which is certainly not going to be to, tell, to Afghan women and girls, is, is just an embarrassment. And it means that we're being led around by the nose by the UN NGOs who make their money off of this. They take a cut of all of that. So we're just participating in it. We, we are now complicit in what's happening to women and girls in Afghanistan. And it's, it's, it's shameful and heartbreaking. 
That it is. Victoria, we love having these global conversations with you, but I want to bring it home to a uh, national security threat that is right at our southern border. John and I have been talking about this on air this week, the fact that fentanyl poisoning has become the number one leading cause of death among 18 to 45. At what point does this administration recognize and therefore legislate upon the fact that this is a national security threat? It's 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 a crisis for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we all you know, anyone who has a a child in that in that uh, age frame has to be concerned uh, about what may or may not be passed to them and what happened to the four American citizens who went into Mexico, whether it was wise or not for them to go into Mexico, they were you know, they were within their rights to do it. But I mean, they should not have been dragged from their car and two of them murdered and the others tortured. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I think we have to recognize the fact that this is a concerted effort on the part of both the communist Chinese who are feeding the chemicals to the Mexican cartels. And we have to have a really hard conversation with our good friend India, which is also a producer of these chemicals, and say, you know, we are going to sanction the bejesus out of anybody who produces this stuff. We don't want these sanctions to fall on you. So how about you don't do that anymore? Uh, I mean, India has been, as I said, great friend, biggest democracy in the world. We should be working with them on this and then punishing the communist Chinese and whatever parts of the Mexican government are unwilling to work with us on cracking down with the cartels and just stop treating this as a kind of minor law enforcement uh, effort and treat it like a national crisis because that's what it is. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He led relentlessly in helping to expose the FBI's misconduct in the Russia case on national television. And today he hosts one of my favorite newscasts, The Great America Show. He's the one and only Lou Dobbs. Lou, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, John. Amanda. Good to have you, sir. I want to ask about this. Imagine how much history could have been different if the FBI just gave a defensive briefing like they would have given any other presidential candidate and didn't try to concoct a case that dominated our country for for three long years. You know, that's a great point, John. And so much could have been uh, quite different. For example, uh, President Trump wouldn't be in the seventh year of a political persecution uh, that started just about that time uh, in, in midsummer of 2016. Uh, and we, you know, we think back to that. The Loretta Lynch uh, meeting with, with Bill Clinton that follows within just uh, right. really a 
couple of weeks. Uh, what was that discussion? We never did truly find out. We don't know much as a result of the redactions here. Truth is in uh, you know, scarce supply right now in Washington, D.C. This administration, the Obama administration, both are absolutely burying uh, any access to the realities uh, of their of those two administrations, if indeed there are two separate administrations. This one seems uh, to be often the third term of the Obama presidency, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it's incredible to see. And, and Lou, you have a great overall perspective of, of multiple different administrations. Um, I wanted to ask you about something I flicked at at the top of the show. Gigi Sohn, again, another addition on this list of Biden appointees that have not made it through the confirmation process in the Senate. I don't think we've ever seen this number of appointees by a president not make it through. According to Senator Joe Manchin, it's because she worked with far left groups. She was a part of an active, partisan activist. Um, what's the common denominator? with all of these nominees? The common denominator, ideological activists in nearly every instance. We're talking about, uh, these are not socialists in, in the Democrat, uh, the progressive Democrat uh, party. These are Marxists and they have records of uh, incitement, uh, agitation. They are truly working against the American system as we know it if you will, the American way of life. And in every instance, they don't belong in government. And by the way, that was known to Joe Biden and his administration long before they were put on a list. They're there because of their activism, because of their ideological commitment. When we look at this government broadly, Amanda, this uh, this government is uh, right now working against the American people. We talk about the weaponization of government uh, but that leaves out the other part of the uh, the correlation, and that is that makes the American people the enemy. We are in their sights, and they mean to have their way and re and reverse uh, this country's heritage, its history, uh, and, and our destiny, and and to eliminate entirely our our values. This is uh, an administration hell bound to do it. Yeah, such a great summary of where we are in the state of this great country. Lou, uh, over the last couple of months, we've chronicled the information coming in from FBI whistleblowers. First, we learned that a threat tag, a domestic terrorism threat tag, was put on school parents who went to school board meetings. Then we were told they created a, a domestic terrorism tag to put against Catholics who like the Latin mass. Over yeah. the weekend, we got testimony from a new whistleblower, a new FBI whistleblower, who says they created a domestic terrorism uh, threat tag for abortion. And originally, it was supposed to be applied to those people who were blowing up uh, some of the pro-life uh, facilities around the country, but very quickly the FBI partisans turned it around and applied it to uh, pro-life activists, calling them the threat, even though that's not even what the tag was created for. How do we solve this problem of the FBI becoming so liberally indoctrinated and so unequally applying the concepts of law enforcement? Well, I think it's a great question and perhaps the toughest one facing us because now the American people know the degree uh, to which the FBI has been corrupted politically. Uh, they know the degree to which the, the management, uh, the executives of the Justice Department are applying pressure to field offices to create something called domestic terrorism, by which they mean parents of school children, by which they mean uh, pro-life activists, by which they mean everyday American citizens who are in some way resistant to the efforts of this administration 
to to roll back uh, American history, American values uh, and our way of life and our government, of course. Uh, how do we fix it? We have to begin by winning electorally. I truly believe uh, there is no other way, John. Uh, either the Republican Party uh, matures and matures quickly, uh, gets well beyond the Ronald McDaniel uh, rhino brand of Republican and really understands that if we are the enemy of the government, the government is the enemy of the American people. It's that straightforward. We can no longer mm -hmm. pretend that Democrats are members of the loyal opposition. This is a party that is hell-bent on changing uh, fundamentally, as Barack Obama first put it, fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That is the process that's well underway, and the Republican parties to this party to this point has not shown sufficient resistance uh, to even delay the the process. And we have to fully engage, absolutely. Yeah, so important. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's this inverse relationship between the power of the government and the power of the people, and we've got to figure out how yeah. to how to reverse that. Um, speaking of corruption, I wanted to ask you about this footage that has been percolating on the Internet for the last 24 hours. Uh, this footage from January 6th, 6th that was released. Um, one of, I think, the, the most stark examples was the what, what they call sh the uh, QAnon shaman Shame. being yeah. yeah being basically escorted through the Capitol not in handcuffs not arrested no resistance whatsoever from Capitol Police he's being ushered in there it, it certainly appears does this blow to bits any argument they ever had against these J6 defendants well it certainly does in the case of uh, the the shaman or the shaman depending on how you want to pronounce it uh the man with the horns and uh, in his hat uh it, it this is a escort either way uh, and they're going to precisely the point that either he has to be taken or that they said that you should really see this uh, it is it has nothing to do with anything said by any member of the J6 committee uh, the J6 committee was from the beginning a, a farcical exercise, a fully partisan uh, witch hunt uh, that was created uh, for the purpose of exploiting a day and a date uh, and a demonstration uh, for political electoral purposes for the Democrats. And it's and, and in point of fact, even as determined as they were, these uh, Marxist Dems who sat up there uh, behind uh, that big bench and played uh, inquisitor, uh, it failed electorally, or otherwise the House would not be in the control of the Republican Party. The American people are looking at this and watching this, and they know that those 900 Americans who are still in prison and jail cells in the Washington, D.C., or uh, the environs of D.C., they are political prisoners. They know that, they, that these people are just being brutalized by the federal judiciary. I'm talking about the prosecutors. I'm talking about the courts. I'm talking about the FBI. Those people are, they should be ashamed. Uh, they should in, apologize to the American people and get down on their hands and knees and beg the forgiveness of these 900 people uh, who are still are incarcerated. Uh, we're talking now over two years, two years from January 6th. And 
The Republican Party has been helpless. The federal government is is part of the these are part of the uh, the, the Marxist deep state who are demanding this retribution against people who simply want it to demonstrate. Now there were bad actors, but yep. they may, they would number it best in the dozens and certainly not in the hundreds. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. A big thank you to Fred Flights, to Victoria Coates, and to Lou Dobbs for spending so much time with us, for having an honest conversation about the state of the world, state of the economy, and the state of the electorate. Really, a lot of big thoughts in that. I was struck by several of the things that Fred Flight said, including whether our country increasingly is sharing too much intelligence, too much of our national secrets in open, giving both ally and adversaries access to things that they might not otherwise be entitled to, or which also may put us behind the eight ball. I really thought that point by Fred Flights really resonated, something to think about as we go into the weekend. All right, folks, we got a full slate of shows for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Some big weekend guests, including Mark Robinson, one of the most exciting political figures in the Republican Party, a rising star. He's the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, got to run for governor next year, try to take a Democratic State House and put it back into Republican hands. He's going to be on, on tap. We got Senator Rod Johnson. A lot of news to talk to him about, including with January 6th. Dave Bossie's going to be with us. He's always an extraordinary conversation. We look forward to that. Lots of members of Congress that I'm looking forward uh, to as well. Uh, Andy Biggs will be on the show. Heritage is best expert in national security matters. James Carafano, he'll be with us. And also, for the first time ever, a woman who made history last year as the first Mexican-born female member of Congress. Meyer Flores is going to join us from Texas. She's got an exciting new project on Latino radio and Latino media she wants to talk to us about. And also, we'll have a pretty good conversation at the border. So a very good weekend. Be sure to tune in. We'll have some great food for thought Saturday and Sunday here on John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Until then, if you want to do something to stay in touch with the news so that wherever you are at any moment, if there's breaking news, you get alert on your phone. All you got to do is download the Just the News app from the iOS Apple Store and the Android Store. We have apps in both stores. They're easy to use. They give you three ways to engage the content of Just the News, including watch 
That's our video services and TV shows. Listen, this podcast and many others like it, Victor David Hansen and others, and read, of course, reading stories all the time. Badge alerts, email newsletters, all sorts of extraordinary things available through that app. Be sure to download it and check it out. It is a real winner. All right, folks, with that, we're going to head into the first real weekend of March Madness, big championship weekend in the conferences, followed by the big tournament. Be sure to have a great weekend. And tune in Saturday and Sunday for all the great guests. Good night now. God bless you. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.